how are y'all doing today? I'm just waiting. I'm going to take this jacket off. Hey, I'm trying to be cute. Um, we about to get into this lesson, y'all. We about to get into this word. Y'all don't be distracted by what they're doing over there. What a table? What's a table, Malcolm? Over on this door over there. It's a little four-footer table. Unfold that and throw those things on that table for me. Um, it's a table kind of over there somewhere. On the, there it go. Y'all get that table set up for me and set those items on top of that table for me. Try to do their best to keep it covered um, as we transition here. Pastor, uh, Pastor Jordan abandoned the ship. We didn't plan out this here. Abandoned and took off. But I hope you guys are doing well through this fast. As I know, we've been seeking God together as a church in this fast. No social media, um, no meat, no dairy. Um, um, what else we've been doing, y'all? No, no, we've been trying to stay fruits and vegetables. And I've, I've gotten, we've gotten kind of creative. And, and you guys have found some different things. And if y'all can, we got to put everything on there. Just move it over as far left as y'all can. Um, I hope it's been well for you guys. If God continue to move, I hope y'all stay in y'all word. Remember, as we fast, the point of the fast is to is you take out what you want and put in what God wants. So you take out food and social media and what you would normally put, spend your time on and insert reading and fasting and prayer and, and sitting in his presence and worshiping. So when we're fasting, we want to do an exchange. We want to exchange the physical pleasures for the spiritual pleasures. And I don't want us coming out of this fast and fast did work. I didn't get nothing. God didn't speak. Trust me. If you do it correctly, God is guaranteed to answer. He says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He guaranteed that. So if there's any ever a time where you fast, he will answer. Now, he may not answer how you want. It may not be how you want it to be, but he's going to answer. So don't worry. I need you guys to, as y'all see God, and I'm not hearing anything. He's not talking to me very much. It's not like, trust me. Stay in it. Sometimes I'm fasting and God hasn't even spoke till after the fast. He hasn't even said anything or said a word to after the fast. So sometimes as you may feel like, feel like God is saying anything, trust me, stay in him. You have to continue to have faith that he's going to answer. Plus, I want as we do this fast, you got to evaluate what you're asking for and praying for. Evaluate is what you're asking for according to God's will. Is what you're asking for according to his will. Okay, it is according to will. Now, secondly, I need you to ask yourself, if I'm asking for God to get this so he can get the glory, or is this something just for me, or am I planning on taking this new house and glorifying God with it? Am I planning on taking this new car and, and coming to church every Sunday, or is this for me to pull up in the front of the club, 18th Divine Juke House? Like, what am I, I'm asking God for this, but what am I asking for it for? So as we do this, I, wanna, I want us to... to to really evaluate it because I want you guys to get the most out of this. And I don't want y'all just going hungry and losing five pounds. And then by, well, that's a lot. I look good. No, I really want you to have some spiritual growth from this. And anybody, and I'm going to say this again. I want anybody who's been fasting or planned to start the last week. Some of y'all didn't know or didn't pay attention to the announcements. Yes, I'm coming this week with, you, with your pastor. I only want y'all coming up to the building. If you've been fasting or about to start it this week, y'all ride with me after church. I'm not trying to push the rest of y'all out, but I need, we, need some, we need soldiers. And you don't take babies to war. You don't take your kids to war with you. I'm not saying you kids, but I need somebody who's been pumping up, who's been bulking the last few, few, two, few weeks and has enough faith to believe. I don't need no doubters out there. I don't need, when we go spy out the land, I don't need two spies coming back with 12 reports and 10 of them scared. Like, it's too big. God ain't going to provide. I need soldiers. I need somebody who's going to believe with me. So if you've been fasting or plan on starting this week, ride with me after church. God has been preparing us for this day. And y'all going to get on there and just start seeing it already. It's going to hit you when you get up there. I'm not trying to kick the rest of y'all. I'm just saying I need week for this move. I want to protect the people who ain't. I need the soldiers with me. Amen.
We're starting a new series, y'all. We're starting a new series, y'all. Let me, I got to get something from under here. This is magic. I wasn't supposed to see this. Shh, stop looking at me. Yeah, we started a new series. Um, and I'm excited about this series. It's our vision for the year. It's our word for the year. Every year at the beginning of the year, I give y'all the energy that God has given me. What do I, I pray and say, Lord, what's the move for next year? I'll start this around September of last year. Like, Lord, what are we doing next year? What, how are you moving? Well, how, what direction are the people was going in? Last year, our word was served. But this year, our new series is growth. Growth. Uh-uh. Growth. Give me that other one. Give me that other one. Give me my trees. Give me my series flower. Growth. This that's today's flower. Give me my series flower. I want y'all to get used to seeing this for the next 12 to 16 weeks. We're going to stay in this series probably all the way up until we transition into the next building. Growth. Our word for the year is growth. And why, don't, why I have the kids and everybody in here with me today because I feel like I need everybody to hear our direction for the year. Everything we do from this series will sprout out from this, from this. So I want to take the next few weeks. We may not have the kids in the rooms for the next couple weeks. I need to get us all anchored in the direction that God has taken this year. And our word for the year is growth. And God was telling me, when my people commit to growing, I will allow growth. When my people say, I'm going to grow, I'm going to become more sanctified. I'm going to become more holy. I'm going to deal with the sin in my life. I'm not going to accept laying up with homeboy. I'm not going to accept creeping with homegirl. I'm not going to accept smoking no more. I don't want to get drunk no more. I'm going to stay in my word. When we start saying, I'm going to live different, God said, now watch what I do in your life different. We cannot get, expect to do the exact same thing we've been doing and get God to move in some supernatural way. If you want supernatural, you got to give supernatural. If you want God to move big, give him something big. If you want God to do something different in your life, do something different in your life. If I just keep eating cheeseburger, I'm not getting a six-pack. But if I start being at dinner with everybody, like, I ain't going to eat that. I'm cool. And everybody, I ain't going to eat. No, I'm not eating. And then they start saying you lose weight. It takes you doing something different to get something different. When you go to the gym, nobody likes to go to the gym like that. That is not a fun place. But you go in there and you sacrifice for what? The betterment of your health. God said, when y'all commit to that, watch what I do. And I'm going to increase it incrementally until y'all come into full fruit producers. Until y'all actually at the point where y'all just producing and you got a little grass, then a little bit more grass, and then you got a little bit more grass. Now trees are popping up in your life. And what happens when trees and fruit pop up in your life? People can come pick from it. And God said, I need y'all to commit to this this year because what I want to do this year, I want to grow y'all. I want to do some things, but I need my people to commit to growing. I need you to commit to not missing a Sunday. It's 90 minutes a Sunday, a week. And we struggle with 90 minutes a week. And then if, if for us who really want to disciple, we're there on Wednesday for another 90 minutes. It's 180 minutes a week. Why is it so difficult for us to be at church for three hours a week? Why is that so hard? Somebody give me, get your phones out and type in 24 times 7. How many hours is that? Just scream it out. What's 24 times 7? 168. Hey, I just asked for three <laughs> And a couple of prayers and through the week. Can I get four of your hours at 168? You give sleep more than me. You give your job more than me. You give your friends more than me. You give Facebook more than me. You give the gym more than me. You give eating more than me. You give driving more than me. We drive more a week than we pray. We drive more in our cars than we in church. He said, can I get some of that? And until we become and be determined to be sanctified and, and, and holy and set apart, he can't move in your life. You will just continue to live in sin. You will continue to battle with the, the baby things that God wants you to grow from. You will just continue to just sit there like a little infant. We got to grow. And the thing about growth is, the thing about growth, let me get into this because we got to go. I want to read the purpose. Self, it's self-examination evaluation time. We're going to take a look at your walk with Christ and ask yourself, are 
Are we where we should be having known about Jesus for this long? Are we where we should be having now known about Christ this long? Because some of us have been knowing Christ for a couple of months. And some for over 30 years. We've been knowing that he died on the cross for our sins. And it's time to evaluate, am I where I should be having known that his cross is saving grace for this long? Let me get, let's get into this. I know what these are. Carrots, you know what these are? What are these, baby? These are something called water beads. Orbeez. Come on, twins, help me. These are something called Orbeez. And the idea with Orbeez is you get them, and then the idea is that they, they swell up. They grow. So, so the idea is that you put them in a bowl and you submerge them in water. The idea is that over time, these Orbeez are going to what? Grow. So you do as the instructions quote, and you submerge them in water. The ideal is that over time, 30 minutes, an hour, 24 hours, that the Orbeez will absorb this water and grow. Now, what happens if I do as the instructions said, pour the water, and I come back in a day, and there's no growth? I'm going to get on my app, get on Amazon. I'm good for going off on Amazon. Because <laughs> I spend way too, we spend like, between the church and personal, we spend like 20 grand with Amazon. Y'all going to do me right. And y'all better keep y'all sellers in check. So I'll get in there and be like, nope, 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 give my money back. I'll re- I'll, I'm going off at this point because it was no growth in the thing that I paid for. And this, thing, this is the thing about growth. Where there's no growth, it's an indication something is wrong. When there's no growth, I, I want to read from my notes. When there's no growth, we fear mental, psychological, and deficiencies. We fear that something is wrong when there's no growth. When there's no growth, we begin to, to seek out a cause because it's unnatural to not see consistent growth. Growth is so natural, we can premeditate it. All these doctors have graphs and all this stuff to tell you what your kids should be, to, to tell you over time. They can give you a graph to show you what position the continents will be in 200 years from now. Because the growth has been so premeditated, it's so natural for it to happen that we can premeditate it. So when there's no growth, people begin to worry. When there's no change or no maturity, people get, begin to worry. Watch this, watch this. When you plant a seed, don't you expect growth? If I plant a seed in some oil and come back in a year and there's still no tree, I'm going to be like, what happened? I'm going to automatically think it's a deficiency. Something was wrong in this growth pattern. When, when we have a baby and you got a baby and there's no growth, I'm a, something's wrong. My 90-year-old son is over there. Now, KJ, my oldest boy, my namesake, being 19 now, about to be 20 this year, came and he was the same size as Karis. Something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong if that man at 19, 20 years old, a grown man is one and a half feet tall. I'm going to say something's wrong and we're going to diagnose him to have a problem. Like this happens in every state of our life. And what I want to tell you today is God expects when you come into the true knowledge of him, there's growth. The minute you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, the minute you accept that it's truth, the, the, the expectation is that there's going to be some growth. There's going to be some changes in your life. There's going to be some things that shift. There's going to be some things you're not comfortable with some more. There's going to be some people you don't want to hang around some more. There's going to be some crew. There's going to be some situations that you just don't do things anymore because now you understand him. Let me put some scripture on it. Give me John chapter 15. Give me John chapter 15. 
I'm the grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. The thing that I deal is when we come into the knowledge of God, we begin, we begin to what? Bear fruit. Now watch how he, this is how he proves it, verse 3. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. He's not talking about your salvation. He says you've already been pruned and purified by the message. The gospel message has already saved you. But now that you're saved by this message and pruned and purified your souls, now I need you to start living different. He says in verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you for every branch cannot produce fruit unless it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. He said, now it's time for you to produce fruit. You need to stay connected to me. You can stay with me. And that's the problem with most of us why we never grow because we don't stay connected to him. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to do what the Bible say. We don't want to stop shacking. We don't want to stop going where we're supposed to go. And when we realize why well, our life is not changing and then we don't want to be Christian no more because we well, don't do nothing. Ain't no power. It's a normal thing. No, you didn't do what the instruction manual said. If you don't change oil regularly as Ford told you to do in your little escort tours, it's going to break down because you didn't follow the manual. The Bible is the instruction manual for the Christian. We're supposed to go in there and see what we're supposed to do. If you don't do it, you're going to just keep staying in sin and staying defeated. And no, these things are not going to be better. And no, things are not going to get any better. Watch this. Verse 4, 5. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such Dead leaves, what do you do with them dead leaves in the fall? Y'all keep them, put them in your house, and make, what you do, twin, tell me. No, no, come on, talk to me. The kids are there, come talk to my babies, talk to me. What, what do you do with it, twin? What you do with them dead leaves? Uh, <laughs> Let that preach. Some of y'all piling mess in your life and jumping in it. Let that preach. You preach, twin. We throw them away. And we can't wait to spring when we see new buds. He says, you're useless to my kingdom. Yes, you say, but you might as well just, you, might as well, you ain't doing nothing with your life. Watch verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch of wizard. Such branches are gathered in, into a pile and to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. He says, if you stay connected to me and you follow the instructions, you'll be able to say in Jesus' name, my husband need to get right. Lord, do what you got to do. I surrender. And all of a sudden, he's going to come sit on the bed one day and say, I've just been going through. And what time church start? All right, well, I'm going to ride with you in the morning. You're going to be like, huh? Lord? All of a sudden, stuff will start shifting. That boss that always be on your head for no reason, all of a sudden, they're going to come in and be like, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Like, if you stay connected to me, I'll give you authority to speak my word. Watch this verse 7, verse 8. When you produce fruit, when you decide that I'm going to be a kingdom person, I'm going to let God work in my life, that's fruit on my tree. He says, you are my true disciples. He says, uh, 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 this brings great joy to my father. He says, when you are fruit producers, this proves that you're really my disciple. Now watch this. We're going to stop making excuses for no growth. I got to put this in here. We make excuses for not growing. What well, a church be on me. They be mean to me. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm, I'm just, I don't hang with a bunch of people because they ain't, they ain't on my level. It used to be me. I don't, dudes don't be on my level. I don't hang with them. No, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me get some of these notes. I, I was writing this stuff, some of these notes. I said, I'm a strong, passionate person. You know, we make these excuses. 
They're just not on my level. They don't feel with me. I don't like to be around people. They hold me back. We make all these excuses for no growth. Like, like we, we say, we say people, don't, people, don't, people don't understand me. People don't, people don't understand who I am. I, I'm an acquired taste. I'm different. I'm just different. Y'all don't hang with y'all. Ain't nothing acquired about your taste. Like, I don't hang with people. I don't do this. We're going to stop and make excuses for not growing and realize we got some character deficiencies. We got some things people, people don't like to be around you because you mean and you gossipy and you jealous and you always got something bad to say and you never encourage nobody. You got some issues. And instead of us facing our issues and saying we need to grow and get better, we'll say, well, I don't hang, people don't, I, they're not on my level, so I'll just be over here solo. No, you're mean and don't nobody want to be around you. And we'll make excuse for no growth and just say, I just, they just jealous of me and they just some haters. No, they're not hating on you. They just don't like you because of you. Yo, you have bad character. And instead of us looking at that and saying, ooh, God, show me myself so I can get better, we just make the excuse for no growth. But no, it's you. This used to be me. I was, I was, but dudes just ain't on my level, bro. They just hating on me because my whips and everything, I got better than theirs. No, you're arrogant and you're self-centered. And their people are tired of hearing about you. So they don't hang around you or call you when they go in to hang out because you, because you're character deficient. You got bad character. And then we'll settle for they just some haters. And then we'll enjoy trying to make more haters so we can satisfy this, this idea that we told ourselves that everybody hate on us. No, you have horrible character and you're loveless and people don't want to be around people like that. So we're not going to allow ourselves not to grow this year by sitting and wallowing in the fact that we won't be honest with ourselves. But I think I know another reason why we do this. Give me Hebrews chapter 5. I think I know a real reason why we, we, why we, why we, why we won't grow. And I want to tackle a few reasons why we just have problems with, this, with growing. Give me Hebrews chapter 5. Watch this. There is much more I would like to say about this. But this is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. He said, I would like to go deeper, but y'all spiritually dull and y'all don't listen. Verse 12. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Y'all being Christians for 30 years, you still shouting about exceedingly abundant. You're supposed to be having all kind of tests. You're supposed to be testifying by now. But you're still rehearsing the same stuff you've been rehearsing since the 90s. I'm coming for us today. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone, someone who lives on milk, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do right. Solid, foods is, solid food is for those who are mature. Who through training, this just doesn't happen, is through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You don't understand the difference between right and wrong so happen. It's through training. That's why when y'all don't come to Bible study, where pastor can teach you how to study and teach you how to see it through training, but y'all come on Sunday and expect him to baby you. Where my baby? Where my grandbaby? Yeah, give her to me. Give me Lily. Y'all, this is what y'all want pastor to do. I want you all day. Come on, baby girl. Come on, quickly, quickly, quickly. Bring me my grandbaby. This is what y'all want pastor to do. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Give me my grandbaby. Come on, throw her up here. I'm, don't throw my baby. I'm throwing my baby. This is what y'all want pastor to do to you. All I want you to do. And, to, and to, it's unfortunate that people have been in church their whole life, and they're still inspecting pastor. 
Go to sleep. Go to sleep. And y'all expect me to walk around carrying you. He says you ought to be teachers by now. By now, you should be teaching somebody else. You should have experienced me and grown to the point, but I have to go back to the basic things with you. Give me chapter 6, Hebrews. He says, so let us stop going over the basic things, the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely, we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance, the importance of repenting of evil deeds and placing our faith in God. We said, we got to go back to how you get saved. Are we still talking about grace by faith? Are we still arguing that you, it's not of thy works but by grace through faith that how you save? Yeah, we still arguing about how you get to heaven. He said, all these years in the church, in the church y'all still beefing over this. He says, we shouldn't be going back over the fundamental things. These are baseline things. If we're going to grow, we got to set the baseline things and move on. I want a steak. I shouldn't be on milk forever. Watch this. It should be milk, but we're on a fast. You don't need any further instruction about baptism, laying the hands, the resurrection of the dead, or eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward, we will move forward to further understanding. I'm getting my baby. This is the deal. This is all we're doing. Sucking. By the way, the title of today is It Starts With You. If we're going to grow, it starts with you. Don't blame anybody else why you ain't growing. It starts with you and a, and a choice that you make to honor God. A choice that you make to stop doing this. Now, ain't it annoying the whole time I'm reading, I'm sucking on this bottle? Ain't it annoying? But this is the issue. Your life sucks. Your relationship sucks. Your attitude sucks. Your at home sucks. Your life sucks. Your career sucks. Everything you do just sucks because you're still sucking. You won't get in your word and you won't pastor to suck, give you breastfeed you on Sundays. You won't go home and do it. You won't go home and exercise the thing that I'm teaching you. You just, and you sucking little. You can't get nothing hardly out of this. And God said, that's what babies do. Babies suck. So your whole life and walk with Christ sucks because you still sucking. And don't tell me, I, oh, I do read my word, Pastor. I do read it. I go home. I be in my word. Okay, wait, 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 wait. My Bible says that if you listen to what the pastor said, if you read, read what God is saying, and you don't turn around and do it, you're like a man that looks in the mirror and don't know who he is. You're like a man. The, the Bible, God may tell you in his word, you are more than a conqueror. You are a lion. And we turn around and go, move. Ribbit, we start hopping around life. He says you'll be the lender and not the ball, but we'll go out and do the exact opposite of what this word says because we suck on his word and a little bit at a time and a little fast at a time and a little prayer at a time and a little bit at a time and we expect God to be supernatural. And we looking silly adults sucking on a pink bottle, walking around looking silly in the church. And think because we've been there for 25 years that everybody else is supposed to respect us. And everybody else is just supposed to know how we are. And everybody else is supposed to just receive what we're saying. And you sucking. You're still doing the same thing. And God is telling us now, that can't be. I need y'all to say who you are before. And we ain't not going to have lives where we're sucking on the bottle. We're sucking on a little bit of scripture here and there. We come get our 90 minutes on Sunday. We skip Wednesday. We ain't opening up our Bibles all week. And then we get to Sunday and think God's supposed to pour out on us. It's time to grow. Look at your neighbor and say, grow. 
Look at the other name and say, really, no, seriously, go. It's time to what? Grow. grow. It's time to what? Grow. We have to grow up. We cannot continue to be the same people that we've been for. We know who God is now. You've already accepted him as Lord and Savior. Now you're accountable for how you live your life. I'm sorry. I've been the past. I told you this year I got different energy. I I, I like to coddle y'all and say, it's okay, just grow at your own pace. I'm holding us accountable this year. Half of y'all know you're supposed to tithe. And you'll get your check and the Holy Spirit will tell you in your mind. So I want mine first. You're like, well, I got these bills. Baby, suck it. I'm not ready, God. Infants. God will say, okay, I need you to be on time. You say, all right, Lord, I set my clock at 8. I'm ready. I'm going to get up and do put my eyelashes on, get my wig right, get my everything right. And then you'll hit the clock and get up at 930 and then walk into church at 11 and think God is supposed to accept that. We really walk in here late thinking, well, I'm here, though. God said, nah, you weren't late to work. You was there five minutes early so you can get the good spot up front and ain't got to walk from the back of the parking lot. You clocked in early so they would see you on time because you're trying to impress your boss. He says, but you never try to impress me. You're still a baby sucking on, just sucking on a little bit of two scriptures at a time. And I tell you this all the time, I don't have the power to change you, but the word of God does. And you're sucking a little bit, sucking your life. That's why your life sucks. That's why you're struggling. That's why you go to social media to try to get somebody to like you. Because you, won't, you, won't, you haven't gotten the fulfillment from the word of God. That's why you always want to hang with your friends. That's why every weekend you need to hang out. That's why you, because you got to need somebody else to be around because you suck it. And God said, uh-uh, growth this year. So let's go back to it. The question for today. I need you all to be honest and ask yourself this. It's self-examination and evaluation time. I want you all to take a look at your walk with Christ and ask yourself right now. Think about this. Am I where I should be, having known about Jesus for this long? Am I where I should be, having known about Jesus for this long? Having known about Jesus for this long, and I don't, and I want to leave church at noon. If pastor go to 12, 15, 12, 20, oh, it's just too long. Well, the Chiefs game wasn't too long. <laughs> Nothing else was too long, but oh, if the church be 10, 30 to 12, 30, oh, it's two hours of my life on Sunday, and I'm going to get that weekend, babe. And we look silly as Christians who say we believe in the living God and we can't give him two hours a Sunday. It's not like we got to get up at 6 a.m. You can get up. He said, we, church is at 1030. We act like that's too much for us. We act like going home every day and getting in our word for 30 minutes or just sitting there worshiping and listening. To, uh, it's too much. It's just so hard. Having known God this long now, are you where you, know, are you, are you, where you should be? Haven't been in, in church, haven't been in church this long. Have you? Are you? Have you started serving? Have you gave God what He requires? This is biblical: your time, talent, and treasure. That's the three areas. Haven't known about Jesus this long. Have you committed to Him time, talent, treasure? We gave our talent to our jobs. That if we that if we got fired or died, they'll replace you by next week. We've, have, we've given everybody else our, our talents and our time. And we'll support everything else. Every new thing pop up. Send them $10. We got to support. I like that. See, we, we go support the beehive. She don't care about y'all. That just keep our money flowing. But when God said, okay, we'll, we'll support my house. We think the church is the only place that's supposed to be like, 
Have I got, haven't known about God this long? Have we been, have, have, are we mature? Have we grown? Have you grown at all? In the last six to 12 months, in the last 60 months, five years, in the last 10 years, have you grown, haven't known about Christ? And you just gave your life to Christ the last four months, have you grown? Because I'm sorry, anybody got a new baby? A lot of changes happen in the first four months. So don't give me a chance. I just, I just start believing in Jesus. Give me a little time. A lot of changes happen week to week. They start smiling. They up more. From four, to, from four months to a year, a lot start happening. They ready to walk. They calling. A lot happens in them early stages. So are we not going to make a memory? We're not making excuses this year. We're going to evaluate our lives. And look at everything we're doing, how we're dating, how we're spending our money, how we're loving people, how we are at church. Because the Bible, the Bible says don't forsake the assembly. We're supposed to go to church and commit ourselves to each other. Are you where you're supposed to be? Ask yourself that. So what I want to do today real quick is go over the basic things. Because after we go over these basic things again, we're moving forward. Our, two, our, our, our series scriptures is John 15, what we just wrote, and Hebrews. That's, our, that's what all we want to do this whole, script, uh, this whole series and realize we ought to be teaching by now. We should have been grown. And, how, and God is expecting when we come into the faith to have fruit on our lives, to be fruit producers. So over these next week, we're going to learn how to produce fruit and grow. And we're going to hit every area of your life. Are y'all ready for this? Got a couple minutes. It won't take long. Point, point one, know who you are in Christ. You are saved by grace for the free free. Y'all still here? Hey, hey. We saved by grace for the free free. Now, this is one of those that everybody want to argue about. So I thought I'm going to just bombard you with the word of God and argue with the word, not me. So I'm about to go through a lot of scripture, and I'm going to read them really quick, but I'm going to put them on the TV, TV and the screen, so y'all going to see it for yourself. We, I believe that you are saved by grace for the free fee. There's nothing you can do to get into heaven. There's nothing you can do to stay out. It's, God has made a way for you to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. It is saved by grace through faith. After you come into the knowledge of God, then we want to live a certain way so for reward. But our salvation is not banked on anything we do or done. It's banked on everything Christ has done. And people struggle with this grace thing, living under grace. But I don't know how you can ignore it. That's all Paul and John talked about. That's all Jesus talked about. But we, what it is, what God showed me, it's an anti-Christ spirit that has snuck in the church. Anything that's anti-Christ against this, Christ is our Messiah, our Savior. Now, anything that's taking that message, the gospel message, uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. Anything that's, that's taken away from that, they say, you do got to believe it is free, but then you have to do this, this, no, 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 no. It's all based on what he did. Watch the scripture. Ephesians 2, let's get through this. Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you what? When you what? I'm mean, going to read with me this whole time, so every time we see believe, we're going to drill this down. You can't take credit for this gift. It is a gift from God. You can't take credit for it. So they, it's not based on anything you do. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for good things we have done. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. So you can live all and keep all the laws, but this is not for what you've done. Salvation is not a reward for what you do. He says, so, why is it not so no one can boast about it? Because if it was based on what I do, I can boast that I did more than you. He says, no, 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 y'all are not going to get to heaven and think I owe you anything. It is a free gift of grace, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can, do, we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Next, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Therefore, put away lying, let each other speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. I'm sorry, uh, verse uh, 30. I'm sorry, I have to verse. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit 
It is up there. Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. He says, you are sealed until when I come and redeem you and pick you up in the rapture. You are sealed. And when you seal something, you can't unseal it without messing it up. He said, I sealed you, and I'm not breaking the seal until I come back and get you. You are sealed until the day of redemption. Let's keep going. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Yet, we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Christ Jesus. You are made right with God by faith in who? Christ Jesus. Not by obeying the law. And we have, we have in Christ Jesus that we may be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Let me keep going. Let me give you the scripture. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who... The Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish, the beginning to the end. This is all done by what? Faith. And Scripture says it's through faith that a righteous person has life. Let's keep going. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But God, but now God has shown us a way to be made right without keeping the requirements from coming to the law. He's made a way for you to be made right with him without keeping the law. I can be made right with God. I can receive righteousness, and I ain't done nothing. Yes. And I've messed up 100 times. Yes, and I messed up 10 billion times. Yes, he made a way for you to do it without that, outside of that. Watch this. As promised in the writings of Moses and prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That is how you are made right because I believe in Christ. That's the only way you can be made right. There's nothing else you can do or to mess that up. Watch this. And this is true for everyone who, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned and falls short, fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us are sinners and fall short of the standard. So he had to make another way to make this happen, and we're going to continue to read these scriptures, and it's going to be made obvious to y'all if it haven't already. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. It's speaking for itself, Romans 10.10. 10. For with the heart of a person in Christ our Savior... Resulting in justification, that is being made right, being made righteous, being freed of guilt and sin, and made acceptable to God. And with the mouth, he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, result, resulting in and confirming his salvation. I wish I could preach that, but I can't right now. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And Abraham, the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of what? His faith. So Abraham, because he believed and had faith in God, God said, righteous. The Bible says if we do what Abraham done, we are true descendants, we are true sons of him. So people think that they're, I'm from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm a Jew, I'm, I'm a Jew. so I'm going to keep this law to prove I'm, I'm from the bloodline of Abraham. We said, no, 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 you are, made, you are like Abraham did, you are like Abraham is when you do what Abraham did. And Abraham was made, was made righteous through belief. So when you do what Abraham did, now you're, from the, now you're from the Abrahamic covenant. Because he said this is for Jew and Gentile. Let me keep going, John chapter 1 verse 12. But to, as, to, but to as many as did receive, but as to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who in, inherit to, adhere to, trust, and rely on his name. If you rely and trust in his name and believe, I hope y'all getting this by now. John chapter 3, verse 14. I love this, amplified. Just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the desert on a pole, so must the Son of Man, Jesus, be lifted up on the cross so that 
Whoever will in him will have eternal life after a physical death and will actually live forever. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son. So whoever entrusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is to initiate the final judgment of the world, but to the world, he, but, through, but, but that the world may be, made, be saved through him. Whoever and decide to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. If you decide to believe in Jesus for your sin, you're not judged because he's already judged Jesus on the cross for it. When he died, he put the punishment for sin on Jesus. Anyone who believes is not judged. You, can, you credited Jesus' judgment that he took on the death for you. But watch this. He says, but the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Lord and Savior is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because he has not entrusted in the name of the, the one and only begotten son. Right now, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ for your sin, you are already judged. Because right now you have nobody paying for your sin for you. And the Bible says for the ways of sin is. So that's eternal, not this physical death. We're all going to die. Death is eternal separation from God who is life. So you're going to have to spend eternity away from him. In hell, separated from him. He says anyone who don't believe in that accepted that you are already condemned to hell. But anyone who believes you are already saved. You, already, you are not judged. You won't be judged. Let's keep going. John chapter 5 verse 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and, and God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they already passed from death to life. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus replied to them, I'm the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry. And the one who in me as Savior will never be thirsty. For, the one, for that one will be sustained spiritually. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still don't believe. He said, y'all, I'm, y'all looking right at the one that y'all need to be and y'all still don't believe. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse, John verse 8, verse 24. I got to give it to you live because you're going to better. Y'all go to your Bible app, hit events, hit the church, and save this. Because if y'all going to have these arguments and working like here, I'm going to just share this lesson to you, and you deal with this yourself. I'm not going to argue with you. That's not what God called me to do. But anytime you want to know more about Jesus, I'm the one. I'm the guy. Go in your Bible apps, hit events, hit the little location, hit words where he saved this lesson. I got all the scripture in there for you. You can go home and study this. It's over and over again. God has told you it's by belief that you are made right with me, not according to your works. Let's keep going. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone and, and adhere to trust and relies on me as Savior will, even, will, will live even if he dies. Talking about physical death there. And everyone that lives, everyone who lives and in me as Savior would never die. Do you believe this? Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already been, that, that, that we already have, Jesus Christ. Nobody can lay a foundation other than one that's already been laid, Christ. Christ is the foundation. He's talking, think about a house. You have your foundation is the, 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 the concrete. He says that's the foundation that's already been laid. Christ is the foundation. He says, now watch this. There you go. It left me. Put it back up there for me. Watch this, First Corinthians chapter 3. He says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. All y'all who believe in Jesus Christ are going to have different lifestyles. Some of y'all are going to build your house gold. They're going to be honoring God or in faith. He's going to be blessing. You're going to have this life where they can just take everything. And some of y'all are going to bring these little straw houses on top of this strong foundation. 
Now watch what happens. But on Judgment Day, verse 13, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Oh, we're going to be judged, but we won't be judged for our sin. We will be judged for what life we lived after knowing Christ. This is going to be a judgment for reward. There's going to be two judgments at the end times. One for us who believe in Jesus. We already, we already saved and in heaven. So he's going to judge us according to our works. So he can reward us as we go into heaven. He already condemned, but now he's going to judge them according to It will be rank in heaven and we rank in hell. We'll talk about that later. He says, but in judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Verse 14, if, they work, if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. God said, come on, I'm rewarding you. You've lived your life for me. You've did what the pastor said. You went to church. You honored me with your lifestyle. You sacrificed it. You didn't go with your friends. You have discipline. You lived holy, you sanctified. Come on and kick it with me for eternity. You did what I asked you to do, it will be reward. But watch this. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer a great loss. He says, some of y'all got going to put the fire on your life. And because you believed in Jesus, he's going to put the fire on your life. The foundation was set. He said, but he's going to put the fire on your life. And your whole life meant nothing. Remember in John 15, we just read, what do you do with leaves? He piled them up and they're to be burned. Your life going to be burnt up because you never gave Jesus any of it. Your time, time, and treasure, you only use it for you. Knowing who Jesus Christ is, putting your faith in him, but you didn't want to give him any of your life. He's going to put the fire on your life and your whole life going to be in the, in the building going to suffer great loss. Why? Because you gave God, God nothing. So your whole life meant nothing. You come into heaven, but barely. I didn't make that up. Let's read verse 615. Is it up there? Verse 15. You can just leave them up there for me until I move to the next one. Look at verse 15. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. But watch this. The builder will be saved. Watch. But like someone barely saving through a wall of flames by the hair of your chinny chin chin. You know, I remember we used to have a little cliche went around the church. You barely, I didn't think you are going to be here. You barely made it in. It's going to literally be like that. Because you believed your foundation was set. You made it in, but your life meant nothing. And you will suffer great loss because everybody else is going to be in heaven balling with all these rewards and crowns because they offer God their time, time, and treasure. And you're going to be the, the little grape picker. I love how Dr. Tony Evans puts it, Pastor Evans. He says, you're going to be a street sweeper. You're going to be a heavenly garbage man. In heaven, saved with God, sweeping the streets, sweeping my block because I'm going to have a Calvin Boulevard. And I'm going to come out of my mansion every day like, hey, how you doing? Well, God bless you. I'm going ahead. It will be rank in heaven. We can build rewards where Martha and Russ won't get them. It will, it will be levels in heaven. Based on our lives we lived after knowing God. Based on our growth. Based on the fruit. Watch this last one. Romans 8, 31 through 39. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? God, I love that. If God is for you, who can be against us? Watch this verse 32. Since he did not even spare his own son but gave up, gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He said, I gave you my son, the only begotten son. If I gave you that, don't you think everything else in your life, I'll give you that too? He says, well, watch this, verse 32, verse 33. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Watch this, no one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. So nobody can say, you going to hell. No, 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 take them right to Romans. Say, who dares accuse me whom God chosen? No one, for God himself has made me right with himself. I don't care what you say about me. God himself made me right with himself. Watch verse 34. Who then can condemn you? You can't condemn me to hell. I ain't going nowhere but to heaven. Why? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting at the place of honor in God's right hand pleading for us. So when somebody say, you going to hell, ah, you sinners, you, you, you vagabonds, and you, you. My Bible say that I'm sealed into the day of redemption and God is pleading on my behalf. So um, 
thank you, but no thank you. You can go to hell with your uh, judgment to yourself. I'm going to be with my father. Now I'm, really work- I'm still working on some stuff, but God paid on the cross for that for me, baby. And when we understand who we are, we can walk in different. We ain't worried about that. We ain't fearing no more. Watch this. Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? What love is he talking about? For God so the world that he gave his son. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the love of God, the sacrifice and love of God. He said, who can separate you from that cross, from that love, from that redemption? Does it mean that he no longer loves us? We have, no, we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with debt. Verse 36 of the scripture say, for the sake, we were killed every day. We were being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all things, verse 37, despite everything you struggled with in your life, despite all your issues, despite all the sins you committed, despite all your problems and your mess-ups, overwhelming victory is yours through Christ Jesus. Jesus paid it for it on the cross, and he became victory, and anybody put their faith in him become victors too. In spite of all things, all. He knew we would struggle with that, so he starts to explain all. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the God's love. Neither dead, nor life, nor angels, or demons, neither fears today, nor the words about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above, or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from God's love that is revealed to us, that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What Jesus did for us on the cross, the revelation of his love for us, nothing can separate you from that. If God be for me, and see, we always use in the church, if God be for me, who could be against me? When we talk about that boss we don't like or that friend, God be for me, who could be against me? Yeah, that's cool, but he was in proper context, he's talking about salvation. If God be for you, if Jesus Christ down for you, on the Christ for you, making you right with himself, who can be against you? If God says for the ways of sins of death, so you, you was deserved death for your sin, but then he says, but the gift of God is eternal life. is free gift. Who on this world can tell you something? If God is on the cross before you, who can be against you? Stop letting these leaders tell you, well, you're going to hell, and if you don't do this, bro, get rid of that nonsense. Because the minute we say that, we're saying the cross is not enough. The minute we say that you go to hell for sin, we say that the cross wasn't available to take care of the sin problem. We, it's anti-Christ, the cross is not enough, so you have to do this to prove it. The minute we tell somebody that, we spit on the cross, and we say this power is unable. And that's why some of y'all who got kids that may be struggling, they say, hey, son, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? I do, mom, I do, daddy. And, walk, and, be, and go to sleep and keep praying. You raised them right, you put the word in them. They may take some years to come around, they'll be all right. As long as they said they heart, their salvation is sealed, they have somebody sitting in heaven on the right side of Jesus pleading on their behalf. I know sometimes we want to see them live holy, but just know that if their hearts belong to Jesus Christ, back up and keep praying. God will work it in them. God will bring them back around. It may be when they get grown like we were when we got it together. Just keep praying, but make sure they make sure their calling election is sure. Make sure when you talk to them, they know who Jesus Christ is and they put their faith in him. Number two. Detox, out with the old. Out with the old. When you're getting healthy, the first thing your body does is detox. You, one of the essentials of growth and health is getting the old out. And what we've done in the church is lived in the same religion and this stuff. And this, 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 we took on all these characteristics and all this stuff for years, and now it's blocking the move of God. Literally, that's why so many older churches have problems with younger churches because they're different than us because they've been in these traditions for years and they're stuck for years and they've been stuck with their robes and their choirs and all their stuff. And so when you come in with a jacket on and some jewelry, they're like, that ain't God. Or when you put some music that's too hype, that ain't worship because they're stuck in ways that God never said that. God never, if God tells you don't do nothing, 
don't do something. Don't tell somebody else that and make it a biblical thing. He just told you not to do it. Drinking is not a sin. But if God tell us leaders not to do it, we can't get in the pool and say, drinking is a sin, y'all bet not. But that's not what the Bible say. He just told you not to do it. And we'll take things that God told us, the standard that God told us to be on, and impress that as the truth. When God said, don't be drunk. So if y'all want to have y'all glass of wine, I want, uh, we need to grow past this. But with God, I'm not, that's not sinful. Now, when you get to the third or fourth cup and things start to change, now you're getting into sin. He says, be sober-minded. So I won't stand up here and preach, don't drink, because the Bible don't say that. It says, don't overdrink. But for some of us, God said, don't drink. So we have to say, dang. I would love that margarita and try to and stay away from it because that's if God has registered his sin in our heart, we're held to a higher standard. But I ain't going to sit here and mix up the Bible because I want y'all to look like I look. I want y'all to look like Christ look. And think for one second when Christ was at that wedding and his mama came and she's like, baby, all the wine gone. And he's like, mama, my time ain't come yet. And he went in there and uh, turned the water into wine. That was his first miracle. Think for one second he wasn't drinking something. I really believe he was at the wedding drinking wine like everybody else. He just wasn't foolish enough to get drunk. Wine was the drink in the day back then. Now, mind you, they had different levels of wine. Some of it was much more toxic. Wine is cool, but go take a shot of Everclear. That is a completely different thing. It was levels just like back then. But think for one second that Jesus didn't drink wine sometime with his disciples. He just, I think he drank the, I believe he drank the lower version, the version that we would consider pop or soda. But think that Jesus, did, he took communion. We, we, but we preached this stuff in the pulpit and mixed it to how we wanted it so we can make people look like we wanted them to look and not how Christ wanted them to look. So we need to detox and get the old out. We can't, we can't go where God wants us to go with so much spiritual crap piled up in us. Watch this, Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to give you an example of this really quick. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. Then Jesus went over to their, to their synagogue. Watch this. Jesus went over to their synagogue. I thought the church was supposed to be his house. And this caught me when I was reading like their synagogue. He didn't even claim it because it had nothing to do with him. And unfortunately, if Jesus was walking around today, the scripture would say, and he went over to their church. When it was supposed to be his bride, where he was welcome, where he was honored, he went over to their stuff. Because he was nowhere to be found. He was not welcome there. And they were too busy doing their religion and doing their things. He go over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees, and G- the Pharisees actually, the Pharisees with the religious rulers, the pastors, the deacons. When you see this stuff, think pastors, deacons, and the leader of the church. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? The Sabbath day, you weren't supposed to work, you weren't supposed to carry nothing, you weren't supposed to be not- do nothing, you were supposed to honor God on that day. So he goes over on the Sabbath to their synagogue, and, the, and these, these, these leaders ask him, these pastors and bishops and deacons and all this, ask him, these apostles and all this stuff we name ourselves, does the law permit a person to work, on the healing, uh, work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so they can bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you pull it out? Of course you would. Verse 12. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Verse 13. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and, he re- and, and it was restored just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot the, the plot. Uh, the Pharisees called a meeting. To plot how to kill Jesus. This is exactly how we do in the church. And this is sad. But we got to detox from this bad old religion. That's, Jesus did a miracle right in front of their face. And they rejected the move of God. They rejected the miraculous. They rejected what Jesus was doing because they wanted to hold to their religion. Their religion meant more to them than God. 
their synagogue and they order and they stuff. Now they stuff meant more to them than what anything the freedoms that Jesus was doing or the miracles they were doing right in their face. And they said, let's kill him. Let me insert this here. If you decide that you're going to follow Jesus and do this, you're gonna, they're going to try to kill you. It's going to be friends. She thinks she all that. And get on her groups with the other girls against your back. Like, she a church girl now. She thinks she's better than us because she's celibate now. They're going to try to kill your character and destroy you. You think you all that now. Why? Because you decided, I'm going to be holy. And, and sanctification, all that means is set apart. Away from culture in the world. And what God is calling the Christians to do is be set apart. The promise in today's world, we don't want to be set apart. We want culture to accept us. So we start doing all this stuff in our church and our pulpits to get culture to accept us so that, and try to get them this thing to not try to kill us. We don't want that heat from the, the culture. We don't want to beef with them. We're scared of them. So we adopt principles, cultural principles, so we don't have heat from the church. We're scared to stand up in the pulpit and say truths and speak biblical truths because we know we mentioned that it's going to go viral and they're going to come for us. We don't want that heat. We don't want that funk. So we get up there and be jelly belly and squish the word down. So we don't have to, so we don't feel that funk. So we can just keep the tithe and the money coming in and keep our robes long and thick and keep our big long. I, what, what is this tradition where every pastor has this long chain with the cross like be on their belly? Like, what is that? Like, what, what is this? Like, because we can hold on to our comfort and our salaries until we die. And we can keep the people just content and coming and giving enough and serving enough and doing just enough so we can stay comfortable. We don't want that heat. We don't want to beef with the culture. We're too scared to be set apart. And Jesus said, I had to go to their synagogue. We need to tear, we need to tear out some of this old and remodel our hearts according to God's standard. We got to rip out some of this stuff we've been living by. It ain't God. And reevaluate everything we do in our lives and line it back up with biblical principle and biblical standard. Throw out everything you've been learning your whole life. Everything your bishop told you, everything your apostle lifestyle, all this stuff, what they told you, and go back to the word of God and realign your life with it. It needs to be a detox or you can never be truly spiritually healthy. I still struggle sometimes with taking my hat off to pray. Because all my life I took my hat off and it was time for prayer. And sometimes I challenge that I'm like, why do you do that? Yes, yeah, the scripture that says like the man is ahead of the woman and God's ahead of us. So, but that was like Old Testament law. Like I'm still, because I was I grew up in it. And sometimes I challenge myself to step out of religion and challenge myself because I don't want to be in a religion box. Mind you, in James it says some religion is good. But he said the religion you should be practicing in James chapter 1 is taking care of orphans and taking care of widows. He says, church, if you want to be religious, take care of the people who their daddy and their husband gone. Be that father figure. Be that husband to their wife. If you want to play religious, do that. And he says, don't let the world corrupt you. So if you want to be religious, practice love. Practice sanctification and loving other people. So that's what we want to do. Watch this. Love is an option. It's, a, it's not an option. It's a command. Love is not an option. It's a command of the Bible. So when we are not loving each other, you are in sin. We want to talk about the girl that's stripping. We want to talk about who owns love and hip-hop. We want to talk about all these people in the world. But when you go to church and you can't love nobody, you sit there with your attitude and you, you're in sin just as much as them. And sin is sin. Don't try to say it's a little bitty sin or half sin or white sin or dark sin or class sin. I just throw the pen. In God's eyes, he said in James, you guilty, you do one, you might as well be guilty of them all. Because sin is sin. So when your unloving, mean self is no, you might as well go get on a stripper pole and get some money. Because God, in God's eyes, you're in just as much sin as they are. So while we like to sit in the church and talk about the LGBT community and talk about everybody else, you just much in sin gossiping and not showing love to them. Everybody in sin. Well, are we trying to differentiate our holiness and how good we are and how messed up they are? No, they're not. They ain't sin just like you. Thank you, God, for an altar. Thank you, God, for somebody who took care of it for us. 
We need to stop this judgmental thing because the world won't respond to that. Love is about, let me read the scripture, John chapter 4. Let me give you scripture. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. If you love, you're a child of God. You prove you love and you're a child of God. Verse 8, but anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So don't walk around telling me how much you God and talk to you and you love him and you don't love nobody else. He said, if you ain't loving, you don't know him. Watch this verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son in sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. If God died for you and gave up his whole life for your mess, it should be easy for you to turn around and love your sister. He says, no one, verse 12, has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. God's full love is manifested, the cross, the love of the cross, the agape, is manifested in us, this resurrecting love, this thing that we give up ourselves when we do it to each other. Let's jump down to verse 20. If someone says, I love God, is it up there? Give me, I want people to see this. Go to verse 20 for me. Go to verse 20, you got it. First John chapter 4, verse 20, watch this. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, watch this, that person is a liar. If someone says, I love God, I love him, I spend time with him, hallelujah, I speak in tongues, I got all these gifts, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom you can't see? I ain't never seen Jesus walking down Prospect or Blue Ridge. But I have faith that he is who he said he is by the love that he gave me on the cross. Now, if I say I love him and I believe in him and I'm so love him, I live in it, I love him and people, he says those who love me keep my commands. So I'm walking around keeping his commands because I love God so much and God is in my heart and blah, 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 blah. But I don't love my neighbors. I'm a liar. I'm, I'm, I'm playing myself. If I walk around here talking about how much I love God and how much I keep his commands and I do all this stuff, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I walk past somebody who need me and don't have a, don't, I don't care. God love me. I got my relationship. I'm spiritual. But you can't stop. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. First Corinthians chapter 13. Let's see what love is. Because we always want to say I love somebody. Well, here he gives us a whole thing what love is. He gives us a whole scripture to show us how what love is. And we need to evaluate ourselves according to what he says love is. Not the ooey-gooey thing we think we feel. If I speak in human elegance and angelic ecstasy but don't love, if I speak in tongues, that's what that means. I speak in my heavenly language. And I, I, but I, he says if I do this but I don't love, I am nothing but a crackling of a rusty gate. I love, he says, or a clangling symbol. He said, you can speak in tongues, all your little gifts, but if you don't love, you're a clangling symbol. He says, verse 2, if I speak God's word with power, I'm prophetic. Oh, I'm prophecy, prophet is prophet. He said, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain, plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps. But I don't love, I'm nothing. He says, verse 3, he says, if I give everything I own to the poor, and I even go to stake to be a burn as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Everything we do is on the basis of love. Your tithe, your time, your chat, you only do it on the basis because you love God. 
Because you love each other. Yes, I go home and I submit to my husband. Not because I like him, because I love God. I want to honor God through my submission to my husband. Yes, I go home and I love my wife. Not because I like her today, because God told me to in Ephesians. And because I love God, I want to keep his commands. Those who love me keep my commands. I want to show that I love God by keeping his commands. I'm going to go and do what he say. This is if you want to see if your boyfriend love you. This is what we, this is what we go by. Let's see, let's see what he tells us here. Watch this. Love never gives up. Love cares for more others more than self. Is it up there? Love never gives up. Love cares for more uh, cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want it, want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love uh, doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. It's all it, it, it's always me first. Love is not always me first. Me 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 me. I'm gonna go first. Love go down so they can go up. It says love is not always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. It ain't popping off. That's not what love do. It says love doesn't have a temper problem. Doesn't have, keep score of sins of others. You always got to worry about what everybody else is doing. You did this to me 10 years ago. He said forgive. In other words, love forgives. Watch this. It doesn't reveal uh, uh, when others grovel. Takes pleasure in flowering the truth. Puts up with anything. Tr- uh, love trusts God always. Love always looks for the best. It never looks back, but it keeps going to the end. If you want to look with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, they really love me. Go read this and, and evaluate them. If you want to get better and go this year, go see if you've been this to your husband, wife, kids, friends, church, family, pastor. This is how we know we love. I'm closing here. I'm closing here. And this is important because if we don't love, we read it. We don't know him. We can do church all day. But if we don't come in here, we, go, if we can't drop our attitudes and say, no, Lord, I love you. I love my neighbor. You told me the, the, the new commandment of the Bible. The Ten Commandments, it was an old. God said, I'm leaving you a new commandment in John 15. He said, love each other as I've loved you. That's the new commandment. That's the new. And, and that is the New Testament command. He says, all the Old Testament commands, the ten, can be wrapped up in just this one. People wouldn't murder. The, the Old Ten Commandments, don't murder, don't steal, don't, uh, don't kill, don't have any other gods before you. These Old Commandments, all of those can be summed up in the New Commandments, the one New uh, Testament command, to love. He said there's no greater love than one that laid down himself for his brother. He go down so somebody else can go up. And if you're not sacrificing anything, you're not loving anything. For God, he said, we read it earlier, God gave us an example of this. For he loved us so much that he gave his son. Because he loved us, what did he do? He gave. So love, giving, and serving will always be a byproduct of love. So if you really love your church, if you really love your pastor, if you really love your people, your brothers and sisters, your automatic response is to serve. Don't tell me you love your church and you don't serve it. Don't tell me you love your pastor and every time I tell you something, you got an attitude, you don't show up. Like, don't tell me, don't tell me you love me and when I hold you accountable, you mad at me. Don't tell me you love your brothers and sisters and you smile in their face and get in the car and dog them. Don't tell me you love your wife. And when you get home, you can't honor her by your actions. Don't tell me you love your husband and you won't submit. Don't tell me that because we say we love the chiefs and you know that because we support them, whether they win or lose. God said, don't tell me you love me and every time I don't give you what you pray for, you mad. Watch this. Faith. My next one is faith. Our crazy faith will produce crazy obedience. If you really got faith, this is the basic things. Why are we doing this? We're going to do over the basic things again because we're going to move past this. We got to detox. We got to kill this religion. We got to understand our salvation. We saved for the free free. We got to understand that now we have to have faith in God. This is the basic stuff. We have to faith him. Let's keep this simple. One verse. Hebrews chapter 11. One verse, one scripture. And it is impossible 
to please God without faith. Watch this. Anyone who wants to come to him must, anyone that must come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You got to believe that when God puts you on this thing and you start living for God, he rewards those that are really about their life. He rewards those that seriously seek him. He's not going to let you come chasing him and ain't got something for you. And the bag that he got for you got more than just money in it. It, come, it has peace and it has joy and it has promise and it has destiny. If you really want to change life, chase his bag. Not what the world tells you, get more money, the more money, the more comfortable. The more likes and shares, the better you are. Seek his approval. We learned this in New Year's, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added. He said, you make me first. And when we get these things to love, to stay holy and sanctified, not let religion taint us, to stay detoxed and pure at a pure heart and know that we're saved by grace, we know who we are in Christ and we live by faith. He says, uh, he says, uh, Haggai, he said, when, I, when a man of God, uh, when I come, when I find anybody in faith, it's not Haggai, I forgot which one it is, but I find anybody in faith, chapter 2. When the Son of Man returns, will he be able to find anybody living in faith? Anybody trusting him and believing him? He says, when we, when we do these four things, y'all, now we're ready to be SWAT. Now we're ready to be SWAT. What is SWAT? This is a thing we started a couple years ago at Word's Way. Saved, whole, and living in truth. Saved. Saved by grace for the free free. Whole. We fresh and detox. We know who we are in Christ. We're not religious. We have relationship. Living in truth. We live by faith. We live by the word of God. Saved, whole, and living in truth. Now we swat. Now in 2 Timothy chapter 20, he said, I can use you for every good work now. Now watch this. I want to end this thing. Now when I started this lesson, y'all remember this? Y'all remember how little these was? Now they've come and they've grown up. I expected growth. I followed the instruction manual and naturally it was growth. Now this was this what it was in just an hour. I put these on last night. Now look how big some of these are. Some of these are huge. These are still small, but some of these in here, when you leave them for longer, and way bigger. And what I'm trying to point out to you today is all of us are going to grow at different paces. Don't look at your brother and realize some of us have been in it longer. We're going to grow at different paces. I think sometimes we get judgmental because they don't look like what we think. They don't act like what we think. And we received and understood what Pastor said, but they ain't getting it, and they still got spent. It's okay. The longer we in it. See, the longer we in it, some of us are able to absorb more than others. Some of us are going to be able to absorb more than the other ones. We're going to dedicate a little bit more of ourselves. But it's okay. It's still fruit. It's still producing. Pray for them. Still, still check on your friends. Check on your brother and sister in Christ you ain't seen in a while. But the expectation is growth. Now, what if I lifted this thing and, these, and what if I got to the end of this lesson and these hadn't changed? It was just water and little bitty baby beads. We were like, something's wrong with that. It's a deficiency there. God said, when you can know me, I'm expecting growth now. 
I'm expecting that it's going to be changed in your life. I'm expecting that you're going to start producing fruit. And we already know now, we've covered the basic stuff. Faith, love, relationship, not religion. True relationship. Faith. Now, we're done with that basic stuff. We ain't talking about that no more. Now it's time to go deeper. Now it's time to grow. Be my serious fire. I want y'all to, I want y'all to get used to seeing this. Because this is what we're going to be looking at. It's, it's time to grow. And sometimes when you come up the stairs and you're working your way up the stairs, this takes work. That takes work. And then you got to get up on that one. You may stay on this level for a while. And you're going, okay, we got to come up. God's calling me to grow. I got to be deeper, more read my word, more fasting. I've never fasted before. I've never taught before. I've never served in the church before. I got to grow. Okay. Okay, Lord. I'm trying to obey you, just please, Lord, be with me. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me because I've been struggling in this relationship and I know I ain't supposed to be having sex. I know I'm fornicating. I'm trying, Lord. I just, I really want to obey you and do what you say. I, I'm ready. I'm, I'm done. I'm done, Lord. I'm... And we're going to take another step. Now, this season may be a long season where you're growing and you may plateau for a while and you may say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I've been living for you. Give me spiritual gifts. My whole life, I felt like I had a spiritual or heavenly language. I, I always felt this tongue in my throat, but I didn't, I didn't know I had it in me. Grow me now. I want to go deeper. I've been fasting and praying and growing and doing it and live time, time, and treasure. Give me deeper. You want me to preach? What? I'm ready. Whatever you say. Ah. Woo. And God is going to keep leveling you up to where you're going to produce more and produce more. And he can use you for more and he can use you for more. I know some of y'all say, my, my life is fine. My money cool. I'm, my, my life, I'm cool. He said, I'm trying to move you from fine to finished. Too many of us settled in our Christian walks just being fine. I'm cool. I can stay like this till I die. I got a little savings. I got a couple, I got 10, 15,000 in the savings. I'm cool. I can buy what I want to buy. I ain't tripping. I'm comfortable. He said, bro, if you only knew. You fine, but I'm trying to get you finished. Now, we stayed on stair number four. Now, let's say we stop in story number eight or nine. Everybody be looking at life like, oh, she's so blessed. He's so blessed. He said, dang, you stopped two stairs short. I was about to do way more in your life. And what God is challenging us to do this year, worst way, is grow. He's challenging us to level up and grow and keep digging and keep pushing and do things we've never done this year. And I can promise you that this will be a different year that you've ever experienced. This will, I'm telling you, this will be a year of weddings and marriages and houses and things that we've been praying for, but it will only take place when you plant yourself and, and say, God, I'm growing in you. You take your energy off the stuff you've been praying for and you give it to God. You take your savings account of what you're trying to stack at yourself and say, God, I'm sowing. You take your talent off, you're trying to blow up your page and blow up your stuff yourself and say, God, I'm going to serve at your church. And God says, as you handle my business, I'm going to handle yours. As you honor and take care of my house, I'm going to take care of yours. And this thing I heard Minister Insta say this today was beautiful. She said, God revealed something to me. I'm so busy worrying about my problems and the things that I did. I moved here to Kansas City for you, Lord. I sacrificed. And the minute I got here, it seemed like the problems ain't stopped. And she said, the Lord was revealing to me as I was studying his word. She said, I, I, I don't suck. I eat meat at home. I don't wait for the pastor to give it to me. I'm at home. She said, what he revealed to me as I was in my word is, what about my house? 
you worried about your house and what's been happening with you, but what about me? And she said, I was so convicted now I had to repent. Now, now, now I'm free and God is moving me closer and I can serve my church freely and I can do different because God showed me what about my house. Because what was happening in that, in that book is everybody was, their houses was fat and the temple was raggedy. They had fat, line, house, like living room, new furniture, line cut, and then the, the temple was weeds. Furniture old. And God said, y'all so worried about y'all life and y'all business. Y'all haven't even worried about me. Y'all don't focus on me. And we're going to have to shift this year from trying to fix our own lives to dedicating ourselves to Christ. And as we do that, he's going to fix it for you. Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added. He said, don't worry about where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. He said, I take care of that for the birds. Do you think you mean much more to me than them? And so I'm excited this year. I'm kicking it all this year with y'all. I'm kicking it all year with y'all. It's going to be testimony after testimony after proposal after testimony. Man, I heard the man of God say the other day, Pastor, this ain't never happened to me. I'm at work, my hip hurting. I kept trying to get up and walk it off. Like, he said, it just wouldn't stop hurting. He said, man, I touched it and said, God, I need you to take this pain away. He said, the pain just stopped. He said, that ain't never happened. I said, uh-huh. According to the power that worketh in us. He was just waiting on you to speak it. He was just waiting on you to use, the, use your weapons. And when we turn our attention to God, it was going to be overflow in our life. Because we lined our lives up with the word. I knew today was going to be long. But I had to get us set for this. Plus, we're going to be out next Sunday. And I had to kick this off right. I had to get us set. God is demanding growth. He, he's demanding growth this year. And anybody that's listening to this lesson that's here right now, you're here for a reason. You are here for a reason. God is, you can't, you can't act like you weren't here now. You've already heard the word. It's already been in your ears now. Now you're held accountable. God is saying growth. And I know this is hitting y'all all over y'all hearts. God said, I need you to grow up. And if you do it, I'll produce. You won't do the production. I'll produce in your life. John 15, if you abide in me, I'll prune you out so you produce more fruit. I'll keep producing fruit in your life to the point where you're going to start saying, in Jesus' name, boop. But it's going to be a process of walking up them stairs and dedicating yourself to him. I believe there's somebody in here tonight that says, today, this morning, this afternoon, that says, I'm coming in, I'm growing this year, I'm determined. And the first thing that I need to do is make sure, make my calling and election sure. I can't leave here today not knowing that I know that I know that Jesus, I, I, Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And right now, I want to start off my year, the first Sunday of the year. I'm dedicating my year to God. And I'm going to start off by making, I'm, I'm going to start off by raising my hand and saying, I want to be saved. I want to start off by saying, this is my favorite part of this service. I got to start this year off knowing that I know that I know that if I would die the next minute, I'm going to heaven. I gave y'all 15 